testing one, two, three on my mic. Hey everybody, welcome to the Talking Pictures Podcast. I'm Todd Meisner. We got a good one for you this week. Our guest is Tom Kimmel. Tom was a photographer here in the early 80s. When I arrived in uh, 1989, I heard all the stories about what a great photographer he was and all the pictures that he took while he was here. And it was awesome to get and sit down and hear the stories from the horse's mouth about some of those pictures and about his uh, work on a Pulitzer Prize winning team and his freelance work now with Olympic athletes. So it's an amazing conversation. He tells some really good stories. So put your earbuds in, kick back, enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome to the Talking Pictures Podcast. We are kind of doing an impromptu podcast because an old alumni has walked in the front door, 80 to 83, and he didn't even come in with a cane. Tom Kimmel, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. And he, you were here, so you were here from 80 to 83. Yep. You were just telling me you started as an intern? Well, we, I split an internship with another guy for the summer, and then, then they needed help, and they said, hey, you want to stick around? I'm like, sure. You know, so, so Terry, you know, made it into a full-time position. So, how many photographers were employed when you got? And Gary, Gary's on the other mic. Gary, yeah. So Gary was here, and Fred, and Harry, and Terry. So, there were four, four photographers at that point. And then I guess I made five. You know, so yeah. And then, so that predates the the Argus switch. So the Argus was the enemy. Oh yeah, totally. And and you know, it was always the the big competitions, you know, between when you had three newspapers covering one one geographic area, you always were running into other photographers at every event you went to. So yeah, yeah, you had to try to get the best best shot. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah. Well, we get the best shot now. And the Times doesn't even try. Oh. Well, they don't listen to the podcast, so we can insult them all they want. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> even though they've been kind enough to actually kind of be on the podcast on location. We've done a couple things with those guys. So what brings you to town? Uh, here for my 40th high school reunion. You don't look that old. Well, you know, I've tried to preserve myself out in Colorado by being active and, and taking care of myself and working out and everything. So. And you ran track here locally. I did. I did for United Township and then went on to run in college at Idaho State. And then uh, then decided, came back, worked here, and then got got out to Colorado. So and did 12 years at, a news, at the Gazette Telegraph. It was the Gazette Telegraph, then it became the Gazette in, in Colorado Springs. And including in uh, 1990, worked on a, a story that won the, won the Pulitzer Prize for a feature story, so. Well, tell us a little about that. Oh, it was, it was, it was a really quite the hard story to work on and actually kind of just got rekindled in my memory because we did a celebration, this being the 100th anniversary of the Pulitzer Prize. Um, we did a celebration of the paper actually has won two now. One, they won one in 2014 also. Um, and uh, so we did a little kind of Q&A celebration of that recently. So I pulled back all of my old black and white negatives and was scanning them. The story that I worked on was... Um, the story of a uh, family that had been burned in a propane explosion at their house. And it was two kids and a father that were, were injured, and we followed them through six months of their recovery. And uh, why we shot it in black and white, because it was, it was kind of a, a graphic thing to have thought about shooting in color. It was pretty, uh, pretty intense to see the scarring and what they, what these, what they all had to go through. And so, so we uh, we followed them for six months and uh, had a had a great great access anytime any any time of day any time of night they let us kind of hang around with them and, 
and uh, it was very pretty much bare bones kind of story, and uh, it was really really well well done the whole thing. So it was pretty neat to be part of part of something like that for sure. What's it like to be? I mean, what kind of rush is that to win the be a part of a Pulitzer Prize winning team? It was it was pretty pretty it's pretty neat. I mean, um, they in fact uh, I popped the first bottle of champagne in the newsroom and it put a dent in the the ceiling and I <laughs> was like, "Oops, sorry, I'm going to get in trouble." Well, luckily when they when the when the paper moved out of that building, somebody had had the, they put a, a plaque on the on the on the on the on the, uh, on the ceiling where it where the cork had hit. <laughs> and they somebody saved it at least. So, so that that's, was good. That's yeah. awesome. And I I had been, you know, diligent enough to save all the negatives from the from the story you know and uh it was interesting to go back and and look at some of the photos that didn't get used and uh we only we we ran a 12 page special special section i think we had 20 photos all together to get used and uh and i went back and just started going through all the old negatives and i was like wow you know a lot of memories for sure did did, sure. did you as you know at your uh, more experienced age now did you look back and go oh i should have I could have, I, yeah. if I had done this. Well, no, I mean, I think, I w- actually, I was kind of amazed at the access that we got with this family. They they let us in, you know, no questions asked. Just complete access. Do whatever you want. Be with us whenever you want. And, um, and you know, that is that is the kind of key to getting meaningful imagery and meaningful stories is that you got to have the people's trust and access to let you into their you know their 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 lives you know so um now we're looking probably would have been easier to do with digital you know because it's uh you know we were shooting in pretty low light conditions a lot of times and things like that and i look back and like man these negatives are way grainier than i thought they should be <laughs> yeah triax uh, pushed with AccuFine. oh yeah i don't know yeah who knows what it was i can't remember it was yeah, probably all triax you know yeah yeah for sure yeah, I don't. I don't remember the last time I shot a roll of film. Quite honestly, I, been, I can't either. Yeah. What can you, Gary? No, I don't even know if I could even roll one on a <laughs> developing reel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah, that's the that's the that'd be the that'd be a good contest sometime on to get a bunch of the photographers in town who did that, and then everybody have to blindfold, hand them an old roll of film, and then see who can roll it the most accurately. Yeah, I don't know what the prize would be. Meg and Brian, see how they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, Megan. Yeah, I doubt if they. Yeah, they, no. They, you know, though, I don't know. They, I, what, what I've been impressed with is in my community, at least in Colorado Springs, I've talked with a lot of the high school and college. Of photography professors over the years and running into them and in high school they still teach film photography and a bunch of them do film photography first wow you have to do film photography first then you can do digital wow that's see that's that's, that foundation is awesome because most people are not learning that way no we had a run of fix it in the computer yep yep (laughs) well we had we had a run of when photoshop started to dominate the landscape and and digital cameras college kids were coming here with digital with professional dslr cameras they were showing up and their everything that they shot was too loose 
and they were trying they were like well i could just fix it in photoshop i could just crop it in photoshop there was no their compositional skills sure. were all screwed up because they had mastered the computer first and not the camera and, camera and the lens first. and the relationship to aperture and whatnot yeah. Yeah. so it was a it was an interesting it was an interesting thing yeah. so what was your 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 gary has talked about your bridge photo before would you say that's your most famous dispatch artist um, photo actually i think that was that was pretty well that one that got some once a bunch of awards, but I think what won more awards was a, a bicycle crash photo from the, the old Memorial Day bike race in in, uh, in the old you know Belgian Belgian village area, and it was a guy going around coming around a corner and he and and the bike just went right out from under him and he's landing directly on his chin with his arms underneath him, and it was called taking it on the chin, and it <laughs> it it ran um, it ran in the pictures of the yearbook one, one year. And then took off, and I had calls from all these European magazines and stuff that, you know, because bike racing is so much bigger over overseas. And they all wanted to run it and everything. So that, that was probably my, my well, most well-known photo from here that got the most ink time, I guess we'll call it. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. that's. I was always in awe of the one on the bridge. I mean, how you got up there at night. And wasn't kicked off. And, and yeah, no, I, I, you know that that kind of access is like they keep you way back now. You know, I mean, I, I remember I was like I was right there beside the firefighters, like you know, literally on the yeah. on the railing of the bridge. Well, tell I would have leaned over if they would have you know let me, but I you know. Well, tell us about that night. Where were you when it started? Um, actually, I was uh, I was just across. I had an apartment in Bettendorf, and I was just across the river and heard the call. And was able to respond up and just jump right, you know, get out right on up onto the bridge, and you know, be there pretty darn quickly. And it was shortly after my eldest son had been born. He'd been been born in November of '83, and so it must have been late November, early December, I think. It was. I know it was. You know, not too far after he was born. Yeah, and it was a unfortunate situation. Distraught um, wife of a guy who'd been laid off from think from john deere maybe uh, we don't want to say any names here well, no that's yeah. okay well that's they've laid people that's, off that's before a lot of water under the bridge <laughs> now I'll, say, I'll just say that one yeah but he jumped off he stopped a car in the middle of the bridge and just got out and jumped off the edge of the bridge and she had crawled down onto the side of the bridge and was on the girders underneath the the 74 bridge there screaming for him and uh and the firefighters were able to go get over there and they lassoed her with a rope and i got there as they're just as they're pulling her up the side of the bridge. And so, you know, it's just right place, right time kind of thing, you know. The camera on the job. Yeah. What was yeah. the ca- what was the camera you used? Um, I was, I've always been a Canon guy, so it was probably a Canon F1, um, or I had an A1 also, um, and a Vivitar 283 flash. Yeah, yep, yeah, the classic. Yeah. Fish, you know, yeah, yeah. Now, do you remember Jeff Cook? At the I, times, I think Jeff might have started or, I, or somewhere yeah, in there. I don't think I remember him at the time. Which there was <laughs> a couple of guys there that, um, that I remember. Bowl. What's that? Greg Bowl. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and you La- would, Larry something. Larry, Larry Fisher. Larry, Larry Fisher. Fisher. Yeah, Larry's Larry's a professional fisherman, or he'd like to think he's a professional okay, fisherman. Okay, He's it. retired, and he's retired, okay. and he just sits in his boat and drinks all day. Okay, which is uh, the goal we all have, kind of. I don't want to sit in a boat, but <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyway, drinking yeah. all day sounds good. Um, but anyway, the the he showed up to media day. And all his like all his speed lights, you know, his modern contraptions yeah. had been on the fritz. 
And so he went and found two 283s. Uh-huh. So there he is in 2016 with two 283s nice. on, on tripods with pocket wizards fashioned to them somehow. Fashioned. Oh, yeah. And Actually, so, I, and I have a 285 I did that too. The hot shoe is broken. And so I just hardwired a, a, a cord to it to go to a pocket wizard. And yep. it's just one of those things. I just keep it in my, in my lighting case. And if I need to just stick a flash somewhere in the back of some, something, it, 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 you know, does just fine still. And he, he, he the, uh, the idea that, that that flash is still working. I mean, I probably have a drawer full of them. And they all probably all still work. Yeah. But the uh, we had a retrospective that the local hockey team, which came long after you arrived or you left, was doing some retrospective, and so they asked me to, you know, for some file photos. And so I was going through old file photos, and we shot that for their first championship with the first digital camera, that thing that was as big as a oh, toaster. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, oh my God, it was yeah, so what awful. Was it like one point eight? Yeah, or something the, like yeah. That? The yeah, iPhone some, is the iPhone ridiculous. is better, and the and the hard drive in it would burn you if you you know held it in your hand too long but the uh that was i had a 285 on top of that thing uh-huh. which of course you know you dial your power by color like sure. approximately going to be you know how yeah. you, when you run onto a under what under the under ice you know sure. to take people's pictures yep. the, you know like i think it's going to be a red setting yeah. and so i got i think i got two or three decent pictures out of that piece of crap before yeah. I switched back to film yeah. and made deadline. Well, I wasn't, but. I was personally, I wasn't an early digital adopter as a, as, as a freelancer. I was kind of like, yeah, I'm holding off, you know, when they start asking for it that, you know, they want everything digital. I would scan, scan eggs or scan slides to do whatever the clients asked for. But, but uh, yeah, I did. I waited till they got a little bit better. <laughs> Yeah, that we had one of those, and I think it would cost Rob Small $10,000. Oh, yeah. Imagine what you could get today for $10,000. I mean, it just, oh my God. And then I remember the old old film transmitters that we used to use. Um, Yeah, the the 20 minutes, 20 minutes for a picture. For a picture, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh boy. Uh Got to get this to UPI quickly. Uh Oh, yeah. 20 minutes later. We're, we're dating ourselves by mentioning UPI, by the way. That's you true. Know. Yeah, that's true. Used to have that and in case anybody doesn't remember what that is, the United mm. Press International. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They the still owe me money. The we had back there in the, the film room, every once in a while the drum would get really slow, so they always said, take the whole unit, lift it up about two inches, and drop it. And that would get at the drum to start rolling a little faster, a little yeah. faster. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Antique photography brought to you by the Talking Pictures podcast. Yes. So you, you so you you left the newspaper business in. I left in '96. In '96, yep. and so you went full freelance. Full freelance at, at that point, and I uh, was very fortunate to, you know, been in a place where it was I was in a prime position to you know step right in and develop a bunch of great contacts, which I've been doing work for the Olympic Committee for 20 years. Um, for the University of Colorado campus that's in Colorado Springs for 20 years, uh, Colorado College, the the other private liberal arts school there, they've been a client for 20 years, and then a lot of the different national governing bodies that oversee all the sports that uh, the Olympic sports, so USA Hockey, USA Wrestling, USA Triathlon, USA Figure Skating, all these all these organizations are based in Colorado Springs, and they bring in events and bring in athletes 
and they need photos. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have got my foot in the door early with that. And people, I walk into places and they think, they ask me, you're, you're on staff here, right? And I'm like, no, I'm a freelancer. You know, well, you've been here forever. And I'm like, well, you know, kind of have done a good job of keep my, keep my, uh, my work to the quality that, you know, they keep calling. So that's awesome. Yeah, fortuitous situations. People think Gary owns the paper because he's been here so long. Yeah, how long have you been here, Gary? Let's see. When did you? When did you start? Speaking of old machines, old yeah. machines. was it? Was there still a six in one of the digits of that year, but or, or not? Uh, no, no, no. It was. It was. We were in the sevens. Okay. I was. I was the late seventies. Late seventies. So. Okay. So you weren't too long before I yeah. came here. Got it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't even know if. Um, if do you, do you guys still have an internship program? Oh yeah, we have a. We've had uh, John. Just I mean, I could name a bunch of them, but you know, John Kim, who won the Pulitzer Prize, was an intern here. Uh, um, uh, uh, Danny Frazier. No, Danny Frazier was a staffer, wasn't he? John Lowenstein was an intern here. We've had an sure. absolutely fabulous yeah. Yeah. array of kids that have come through here That's and great. gone on to do um, some really great work yeah. elsewhere. Um, they get a good foundation here. This is a great place to to cut your teeth and and learn the newspaper business uh, yep. in a in a really real way. Uh-huh. Our 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 most recent intern, um, Jacob, who was a great intern, um, but he the thing that he had to get used to was the the difference between what they teach in academia and what the, a real newsroom is like. Sure. And, and that's, I think that was his biggest adjustment when he figured out that you know all the things they told him in school don't necessarily apply to the real world. You know, you can't spend, you know, you gotta get your pictures quick sometimes because you've got two more assignments and he's yeah. kind of having to think quick and make pictures quickly. And, and you know, we don't have nearly, I don't think we have the digital revolution is interesting because when when digital came in, they basically said, here are your cameras. We don't want you in the newsroom, you know, working on pictures. We want that these getting you these cameras so you can spend more time in the field because you're sure. not coming back and accounting for being in the lab. Yeah. But then the 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 market has shrunk, the newspaper has shrunk, mm-hmm. the digital world has shrunk us, and so that we there's less of us and there, so that means there's less reporters, so there's less assignments. So the workload doesn't seem like it's, it, some days it seems less, but sometimes it, you know, it seems the, exactly the same when I started in 89, you know, that it seems how everything just kind of levels out to what one human being can do in a, in a given day. But what changes things for, for me is video. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we do or I do a lot of video and and it's juggling cats Mm -hmm. I mean trying to get the good still and do a video story at the same time is you know you're like oh when do I put this camera down or switch it over to this and you know when do I make that move and Uh and you know you end up doing a lot more thinking and sweating sure yeah well I uh, personally have resisted that that call to people saying well can you do video too and I'm like you know, you're not going to get as good as still pictures then. If you're trying to do both. You can't do either one, you know, the best possible, you know. So I said, I've, I've just said, I'm not going to do video, <laughs> period. Yeah, I, some on my iPhone of personal things. But. Yeah, I think the best stories we've ever done is where we've I've forced it to be a team thing uh-huh. where I'll take two people and I'll do the video 
Sure. Or I'll do the stills and someone else will do the video. And we throw a lot of our resources into it. We did a, yeah. a great documentary about the the Rock Island Arsenal uh-huh. uh, for an anniversary. And we've done some some award-winning stories. Where, but most of those things come under where there's it's a team effort because you really can't throw be your best if you're trying to do both. I mean, sometimes you, you nail it. But yeah. the, but other times it's, but you know that you keep hearing from from you know and reading management types and you know everywhere it's not just here or anywhere else yeah. it's like well why don't we have video from this well you have a picture of this great emotional moment yes you know I can't strap the cam- other camera to my head and point it in the other direction I mean I guess I could but it wouldn't be in focus true but anyway well, so I I have noticed the the great use of still photos though in newscasts and i think almost all the big networks are doing that now you know as a as an impact thing so they're using a still photo and doing that you know slow zoom in ken burns effect if you want to call it that um for the impact of like so it really sinks in where you could just flash by a video I don't, and I think they realize it doesn't have the same impact. Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the, uh, especially that I noticed it in Dallas when the when the the, um, the shooting in Dallas happened yeah. was that that none of the video was very compelling, but they would you know they would go get the AP or the Reuters or whoever's photos and let those things dissolve into each other sure. to, to to be more impactful. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would agree. I have noticed that too. That's yeah. very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, since you've uh, Olympic, tell us about Olympic uh, dealing with Olympic athletes. That sounds fascinating and slightly frightening. No, not at all. Not at all. And in, in fact, there's not too many of them that are big prima donnas and you know think all that of themselves. You get a, a few of those, but uh, for the most part, they're you know trying to live their dream, and mm-hmm. uh, they're working out hard every day and uh trying to accomplish that you know that once once in a lifetime usually opportunity they have and so it's been it's been very um rewarding to you know see a lot of these athletes through their early training when they're at the training center for a training camp or something like that i'm I'm photographing them and get to meet them and paralympians also worked with a lot of paralympians too and then you go to see them go to perform in the games and they you know they they do their best and they, uh, it's kind of it's neat to see like some of you know and you've you know you've seen them on their journey to, to really blossom. So I've I've never been to the games myself because the uh, uh, that contract is awarded to a very large photo agency. We'll just call it at that. You know. And, so uh, Getty. Getty. Getty gets the, <laughs> uh, the contract for that. You know, I can't compete with the army of how many I don't know how many photographers they send to the games uh, I, had, I hadn't heard the number of what how many they sent to Rio but I'm sure it was a lot well they they made a very good point about pointing or publicizing their two-minute turnaround so uh-huh. they were all tethered sure. through firewire or through yep. uh, Ethernet cables yep. and zoom to somebody cull next person boom, boom. caption sh- gone okay. yep yep so it's gravitation yeah, I, it's wow. It made my head spin because uh-huh. it was interesting to to uh, have the Getty feed on my phone, uh-huh. uh, and then and then have be watching something live, and then in a few minutes, you know, you go, bam! Oh, yeah, there's that shot. There it is. Yeah, you know, oh, they did get that they shot. Get that. You know, uh-huh. 
So anyway, it's interesting. So family, wife, kids, what? I have, I have four sons and a stepdaughter, and um, they are all scattered to the winds, I'll, I'll say. France, Portland, several of them, uh, Boulder, Colorado. Um, so, so they're all over the place. And uh, my, my wife is actually an Olympian um, and uh, works for the Olympic Committee, runs their athlete career and education programs and helps athletes transition out of, once they're done being an Olympic athlete, what are they going to do in real life? You know, so she's, uh, she's got that task of, of helping them transition to that next step in their life. So, so it's, it's a wonderful place to live, Colorado Springs is, and um, though I don't think we need a lot more people moving there because we're, we're getting a little full, but... You know. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, there's no place for us to go. Traffic in Denver is... is is kind of a gridlock sometimes. You know, like oh, I don't yeah. go there, you know, once every couple of weeks. So, do you have like a, a web page or portfolio or whatever? I'm just curious. Uh, I, like, I have what a, you, you know, have like, you know, TomKimmelPhotography.com is is oh. my website, and it's pretty basic online portfolio. You know, I do. I mean, it. I have FTP site upload through it and everything, but um, you know, it's it's basically when somebody's looking for, if you search freelance photographer in Colorado Springs. Mine's the first site that comes up as a not a paid site, you know. It's it's a first one that should come up there. So and luckily I've had great cooperation from a lot of my former colleagues at the newspaper there that they they, they are very nice about passing on my name to whoever calls they're looking for photographers also. So cool. So so the what would you say that the value of your internship was because we get we get a lot of young people listen to this yeah, thing and you know what and i i we had a very robust internship program at the at the other paper i worked at the the gazette and i think that it, that is an invaluable thing for young photographers to get rub elbows with seasoned veterans and go okay that's kind of how you do this that's the approach you take to to get this kind of assignment done and that's invaluable you don't you don't learn that just you know in, in the classroom or out just like making, you know, going, okay, I'm going to go do this photo story, you know, to build my portfolio, whatever. Well, if you don't have somebody directing you, somebody critiquing you when you're, you know, as you're bringing photos in other, other, you know, people that have had the experience to know what, what a great moment is. And, you know, then it's, I think you, if you do an internship, you're definitely going to become a better photographer. Yeah. And it's invaluable to get your, you know, name known in the business too. You know, that's that's I think a, a real big key. So, and I'm glad to hear that 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 uh, that you still have an internship program. Oh yeah, we could, we couldn't. Well, one we couldn't survive without it. Uh, in the summer, there's just too many things to do, and it, it's interesting because the Gary and I are the the only two guys with vac- lots of vacation left. It used to be we had a staff full of a bunch of guys that all had to take, you know, half the year, you know, six guys with a month of vacation, sure. and so you had to make up for a month's worth of missed time, and now we have these young whippersnappers that only have a week left, you know, a week to use up in these 365 days, so Gary and I just kick back, put up our feet, and take vacation whenever we feel like it, right, Gary? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's that's uh-huh. exactly right. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's not really how, that, how it works, but anyway. Secrets um, out. That's the secrets out, Gary and I. We we kicked all the old guys out, and it's just us and the whippersnappers left. So yes. what did you... Go ahead, Gary. I was, I was saying, 
one thing I always remember, weren't you also one of the other photographers who was taught to do the separations, colors? I was, I was. And I, you know what? I, I still tell that story today of how I got just thrown pretty much, you know, trial by fire. Okay. If, if there's going to be a color picture on the front page of the Sunday sports or, or a one, whatever, you have to make the color separation for it on Saturday. I'm like, ah, (laughs) and that was a, as I remember, it, it was a fairly long, tedious process to do to do one color separation, and then if you didn't get it right, you screwed something up, then you were you were in trouble with the production people. That's for sure. You know, I always so. remember that's where I got my nap during the yellow exposure because yeah, it was you'd like be in there for fifteen like, minutes or something like that. Yeah, you'd be just like in yeah. total darkness. You couldn't see nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, now where do you, you go could, nap now, Gary? <laughs> And now you just, Is that why there's a bed up here? No. Sorry. Plug in your yeah yeah, Wi-Fi up your your photo right out of the camera, you know. Yeah, it really is. It's it's amazing. I mean, I I didn't do color separations, but you know the other stuff we talked about in the old in the oldie days. Uh, I'm all uh, fully aware because I started here in '89. So and I I graduated from high school in '83. So when you were leaving here, I was leaving Nutra High School. So, but the um, that they I. <laughs> I can't emphasize enough to interns how much easier they have it, but how much more, I mean, that just gives them that much more, less excuse to be good. Sure. You know, there's, yeah. you, you can't screw up. I mean, if you screwed up a, a slide, if you were shooting slide film and you blew it, you blew it. You blew I it. I mean, that was, that was it. Yeah. But if you chimp after one frame, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Two, ooh, two stops down, boom! Man. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I've never understood why you could come back and see a whole like open photo mechanic, and you see all these pictures in there, and half of them are are poorly exposed. And I'm thinking, at what point did you not know you were off by two stops? Sure. And that's yeah. you know you can fine tune and be great easier. I think. Uh, or faster. I think people get better faster because they're seeing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, I think, um, you know, the, we were all brought up in that era of you had to do it in the camera. Exactly. No that's choice. absolutely right. That, and that's that, kind of the thing that I always explain that if you just do it right there, then, then your post-production time for doing an edit just goes way down. Yep. You know? And I, I do, I do some jobs now that I'm, I'm doing, in a day, I'm shooting 12, 1400 photos at big events and have to edit it and build a slideshow by seven o'clock that night, you know, a lot of times. And so if you're not a fast editor, you're screwed. If you're having to tweak every photo because the exposure's off, you know, yeah, you're, you're not gonna get it done. You're having to hand crop every photo, you know, pretty much do it in the camera. Yeah, the composition for, for me is key and that's where, a lot of the younger people are are learning, you know, composing front to back and back to front sure. and, and understanding what their backgrounds are doing. Yep. That's a thing like, oh, but this is like, yeah, but that there's a moose head growing out of the back of the, the person's head. It sure. looks yeah. like sh- yeah. the crap. So. And I'm sure there's an Instagram filter that you could put on that would just knock that out of focus, <laughs> right? Well, you know, I'm also the, the technology now, I mean, back when the days of film, you know, we had to learn bracketing. If you're in a really difficult lighting situation, yep. you had to make sure you bracket it, make sure you get the right exposure. You know, you have to always worry about color temperature. You couldn't 
correct it a whole lot when no. she came back. Oh, no. So you always had to make sure that, you know, what, what kind of lights are in this room? Oh, my God, it's going to turn everything yellow orange or whatever. Yeah. You know, so or was, or lime to, green. That's yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. 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 So nowadays, I mean, you sit there and you go, oh, I can change the color temperature a little bit more this way, a little warmer, a little yep, colder. there you go, and boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't freak out when I go into elementary school gyms anymore. They're like notoriously 14 different light sources, you know, sure. it's like, oh, I'm just going to put it at Kelvin, you know, yeah, and then like, go. okay, so then I, you know, there's a white and there's a maybe a black and, yep. you know. If, luckily enough now, um, a lot of the schools around here are getting, you know, these LEDs and some of these oh, big sure. uh, yeah. fluorescent uh, yeah. squares that they get up on the ceiling. Uh-huh. And those things are like right the daylight. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, ah, I don't have to put up a ton of flashes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the cameras yeah. are so much better now that, you know, like, did you didn't use flash for football, but we had, I mean, this last week, mm-hmm. I mean, but for years and years and years, we had to fill at some of these horribly lit high school fields. Sure. Yeah. You know, you go out to Cambridge in the old days and I think they lit the place with cards on the side, you on know, the sides. Yeah, had to oh, light yeah, the, yeah, yeah, light the, light yeah, the too end many zones. People standing in front of the cars, you're, you're, you're kind of screwed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, move that shadow. That's right. Look at yeah, here's that. The days of the old Honeywell uh, flash we used to have, they always went pop when you, when you tater mashers. Yeah. Yeah. So what's so. now? So you're going to go to your reunion. How do you, how do you feel about your 40th reunion? I've done my 30th. Well, you know, I haven't been back in a while, and so I'm hoping I, you know, my, I run into a bunch of my old track teammates. That's kind of the main purpose. See some of those guys I hadn't seen in quite a while. And actually, I'm staying with a friend here who was one of my um, track nemesis. He went to Moline and ran, ran the same events I did. And after after high school, we became friends and have remained friends ever since. And uh, yeah, I just posted some photos on Facebook of him this morning of of me beating him in a in his home invitational meet. The race, Shipley. You know? Yeah, yep. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, just a good little jab to you know take to spur the conversation when I got at his house. So what it was, you know, Meg's from the Quad Cities. Gary's from the Quad Cities. I'm I'm from the Chicago area, but my family's from here. Um, the idea of covering events you ran in. Yeah. Was that weird or did it, do you think it gave you an advantage? Well, you know, I, I always have loved covering track because being a, having been a track athlete, I knew, knew where to expect things to happen, you know? So, but going back and, and going back to the places that I competed in when I was in high school was always, it was always interesting. That's for sure. Um, you know, it, it, you, you know, the facility and you know, I, okay, if I go up here, I can get this angle or, you know, whatever it is. So. But uh, it's uh, it it's gonna be fun to just go back memory lane a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't have any family still living here anymore. They've all ventured all over the country, and uh, so go visit the, visit the parents' graves out in Rock Island and Cemetery there, and uh, you know do that kind of thing. But you know, it's uh, it's hard to believe it's been forty years. I said uh, I said in my post, it's hard to believe it's forty years. I guess time flies when you're having fun. There you go. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Tom, we can't thank you enough for for agreeing to be on the podcast. Gary, as always, good to have you up here. And uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Thank you. The Talking Pictures podcast is produced by Todd Meisner with help from Todd Welvert, Meg McLaughlin, Brian Achenbach, and Gary Cranbeck. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at www.incomputech.com. 
To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog at talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. The Talking Pictures Podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com, with a special thanks to Laura Frames, Randy Fisk, and Laura Anderson-Shaw. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the Talking Pictures Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud.